2: So our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities.
1: We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening.
2: All right, let's make a podcast. Steven, how are you? We're doing it. We're podcasting again, my friend. Oh, we're this is the final episode where we don't have our friend Emily, and I feel like it's just going to be a, like a brand new revelation next week. It will be. It will be. It'll be like sh- the resurrection. Emily. It's like the third testament has arrived. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I go third testament. <laughs> the newer testament just dropped. But on the flip
1: side, we have a very wonderful guest who is arguably the, the best for last question mark. Are we, were we able to say that? You know, um, I don't know if I'm able to say that.
2: Well, here's the thing is I am certainly able to say that because I am the one who's extremely biased here uh, and yeah. extremely married here, extremely married to our wonderful guest today. This is my wife, my partner, my spouse, Dixie Lee Henning.
3: I literally was like signing to you to say my actual like full title. But like you didn't get it. The and full that's title. Totally fine. Yeah, I told you guys about this once upon a dream. Um, how I uh heard that uh Miss Emily was pregnant and she was going to be off the show for a smidgen while she was taking care of her sweet little baby. And I thought it would be hilarious to get ordained.
0: Oh yes.
3: <laughs> I forgot about this. So my, my full title is Reverend Dixie Lee Henning. The
2: Reverend Dixie Lee Henning the, has arrived. Of
3: the Universal Life Church. Yes. Uh, so I will only be accepting and responding to questions asked with my official title.
2: I think at this point, if you spend like $36 <laughs> in the state of Montana, you can legally marry people.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I didn't really need to go to the the, the Internet to do that.
1: Um but. A fun fact, up until this point, um, Ravel has exclusively employed women pastors it's with a true. salary of zero dollars a year. So I'm not really sure what that says about us. I don't know if we actually care or
2: not. Yeah. Ra- right now, we're, we're really in a, in a... It's
1: for the
3: experience, though, you know? We're... Like, we're going to give you this position so that you can say that you've held one.
2: We're in a season of discernment right now, really trying to figure out how to best allocate the Lord's money through sure. our tithes.
3: And it's not to pay women. It's, it's definitely not, not same women. <laughs>
1: yeah. no no, not at this time, although we're not necessarily opposed to that in the future, but yes, correct and
2: not at this time. yeah.
3: the the, the Lord is not exactly leading us to that at this moment.
1: Wow. Um.
2: Wow. <laughs> The Lord has led us to this moment, though. <laughs> there have been
1: multiple times in the last 60 seconds where I've almost spat out my LaCroix. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad. I'm, I'm
2: so sorry. So happy. The Lord has led us to this moment where Josh and I get to partner with my spouse and my partner. What's up? Dixie, will you introduce yourself briefly and talk about your show slash shows? Shows? Oh, yeah, because you are a Highline host. <laughs> On the Highline Network.
3: What? Since when? Um, Sure. Uh, my name is Reverend... Dixie Lee Henning, um, <laughs> I'm married to the Stephen of this show, not to the Stephen. Uh, of... We would like
1: to point out at this time that is not a professional theologian.
3: Yeah, no, he uh, is unlike not. Unlike his spouse. Yeah, I am mm-hmm. the only one that has the qualifications to <laughs> say things about like Jesus and stuff. Excuse
2: me, I have, <laughs> I have Patreon pledges. I think that actually makes me more professional. Um,
3: excuse me, do you have a certificate that you could put in a plaque
2: on a wall? Wait, no.
3: in a frame, no, on a wall? Yeah, that's I what I thought. Um, anyway, so I'm the only professional here. Um, Amazing. <laughs> I am a host. I am a co-host of No Normal People with my lovely husband, Stephen George Henning. Um, and then I also host a old new show called Author's Intent, um, which the first new episode will be coming out September 24th
2: fantastic that's
3: that's what i've got for you
2: which i think at the time of this posting is like a week from now so
3: i should probably record well happy birthday time is (laughs) weird. podcast that's incredible actually you know it's i would consider it um like uh what do you call it when when a person comes to christ christ born again um, conversion it's a born born again podcast um because it was born once and then i brought it back so amazing thank you
2: amazing Welcome to the crew.
3: You know what's My- funny? I'm ai well, I'm Christian adjacent and I couldn't remember what born again meant. Ah. Huh. So that's fun. That's f- cool. M-
2: Might I also mention <laughs> that you are the brilliant artist behind our Ravel cover.
3: I, Our I, artwork. I definitely oh, did that. Oh, that's actually true. Yeah. You're welcome.
2: Thank you for your. Yeah, you. so put, fun
1: fact, our logo is actually made by um a woman pastor, local. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, so. Female pastors, you know. Yeah, So artistic. That's why.
1: (laughs) I feel like we're just going to keep making that (laughs) joke if we don't stop. (laughs) Um, Before we get too into it, what are y'all drinking?
2: Oh, I am drinking. I don't know why I made that sound. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Um, I am drinking a salmon fly honey rye beer from Madison River Brewing Company in Montana.
3: That's cool. It's
2: delicious. Is it my turn? It is your turn. I'm well, drink- it can be your turn, Reverend.
3: Ex- <laughs> yeah. Ladies first, unless you're Steven. <laughs> I, Ouch. I'm drinking the blood. No, I'm drinking a Rum and Coke, the classic.
2: This is a classic in our household. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I'm making up the rest
1: of the beverage spectrum. I'm drinking a <laughs> beach plum LaCroix, which is not the What's
3: best a one. Beach not plum.
1: It's new.
3: It sounds terrible.
1: <laughs> it's not great. I think they meant it to be a pun, like peach plum slash beach bum.
3: But yeah, well,
1: just like the pun, it's like not that great.
3: A mistake. <laughs> it was yeah, a mistake. Yeah, a little bit They've of a, made mistake. A, mistake. a mistake.
1: And I'm also drinking. I'm double fishing it.
3: Oh it. nice. I'm drinking
1: a kava stress relief tea. Of course you are. Which is like cinnamony Ugh. and delicious.
3: Cinnamon causes more stress in me, but like. Whatever floats your boat, you know.
1: What?
2: Fascinating. Are you like allergic <laughs> or something? No, or I like?
3: just don't like it very much.
2: <laughs> she kind of has backwards reactions to everything. Like coffee makes yeah. her really tired.
3: Steven says mm. to stop self-diagnosing, but I'm pretty sure I have ADHD. <laughs> I'm, not no, you saying, might.
2: I'm not saying I'm not saying you you might with the coffee thing. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't make guesses, <laughs> but get it confirmed.
3: I know, but by like
2: professionals.
3: Most people can confirm before they get it confirmed, you know? It's like you know before you know, right?
1: Well, and you would know, arguably, because uh, you're a reverend.
3: Yeah, exactly. And you do the I know of all people, things, right? Is that yeah, what exactly. they do in your tradition? Yeah, sure. Um
1: in,
2: your tra- <laughs> in my month,
3: the tra- tradition that I've been a part of for 4 <laughs> months. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um <and> what- <laughs> I know it. Forgot you got this 4 months ago. <laughs> that is the longest that is the longest con right? I don't know what this is, but that bit, it's a bit. I live, this is the longest bit I've ever heard of. I live for, a for the long
3: con. Like that is my goal in life yeah. always. So
2: Pretty effective.
3: Yep. Got Steven on it. I mean, we've been together for 12 years. Surprise. Oh Wait, no. What's the con there?
2: Oh, my God. It's almost 12 years. <laughs> that's crazy.
3: Trapped his ass. Wow. I mean,
2: well, we won't. Uh, trapped, speaking of. Uh,
3: trapped
1: Speaking butt.
2: of trapped his ass. <laughs> we um, won't beat that because it's in the Bible.
3: Sure. Right. I oh, knew yeah, that. That's, I knew that's, that's that. the rule. As a reverend, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of trapped his ass, uh, you got my ass trapped here for another hour. Yeah, I do. Hour. So uh, Stuck. I'm really curious wow. what you have brought to the Ravel Roundtable.
3: Yeah. Week. Uh,
2: Josh is the what master are you thinking of segues. What, well,
3: what, <laughs> what am I thinking about and what I'm bringing to the table are two vastly <laughs> different things. Um, <laughs> because if I tell you what I'm thinking about, it has a lot to do with Antarctica, but that's not what I want to talk about. So.
2: <laughs> that's the ADHD <laughs> talking
3: it's it's a struggle it really is um, <laughs> <laughs> no so I know that Stephen has brought this up um, on Ravel before so you guys have like talked about it a little mentioned it in passing and we've definitely talked about it on No Normal People mm-hmm. um, and I don't have a specific avenue that I want to go down for this but I would like to talk about infertility and then Also, on that spectrum, talk about appropriate ways to approach people who are struggling with grief and loss in connection to infertility. Mm. So, that's where I wanted to dive in.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, because I've I've told this story a couple times in uh, a couple different contexts, but you and I, at this point, have experienced two miscarriages in our journey to become parents sure have and uh both of those happened during covid both of those happened within a year of each other yep and uh for me personally i feel like i grew up like four or five years by experiencing that kind of Mm. uh like the gravity of that kind of grief sure i feel like i grew up really fast through that process like you just I don't know. For me, it was it was really easy to operate in the world as if like everything was going to be perfect. Sure. You know, in my reality, things have gone pretty well.
3: Yeah, because you're a straight white man. So
2: these are certainly contributing factors. Classic, right? But yeah, it was it was a real wake up moment, and it, like it certainly, like I've talked about, Unravel before. It's taught me a lot of like what I actually hold to be my theologies about afterlife, mm-hmm. salvation. And some pretty core things when it comes to Christian faith. But you, you want to talk about it more from the the side of like the struggle with infertility when it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And then maybe because it just leapt to my mind, like we certainly have an opportunity to discuss what you shouldn't say to grieving people. Yes.
3: <laughs> I have a list. And what is not effective. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I definitely. Wait, do you actually have a list with I, you? I would love to hear. It. I one hundred
3: percent have a list because.
1: Oh heck yeah!
3: Um, I think so. To get us kind of started into this, I've noticed a lot lately with, and I don't want to dive into like this conversation, but with stuff around HIPAA and COVID nineteen and like just basic health stuff, a lot of people on social media have been in this weird. Frenzy of like, don't overshare stuff, stop oversharing. Um, and I Mm. think that this is the thing that bugs me the most. I'm definitely a very open person, like, I will tell anybody anything. Literally, I will share any story about any time. I'm not opposed to it. I think that it's important to do that. And I think that a lot of people my age and older, not so much people my age and younger, have been presented with this like lifestyle that like you don't share too much don't share too much because then people will know about the stuff that you're struggling with um Mm. and like that's just that puts a really really bad stigma on infertility and like uh mental health and you know stuff like divorce and you know anything like that like it puts this stigma on conversations around that and i think that that is caused mostly by like our parents not being willing to talk about those things. Oh. Um so i I've, I've been getting really frustrated being on like facebook and instagram and twitter and even tiktok um and just seeing acquaintances being like stop oversharing stop oversharing and hmm. this brings me to To you
1: specifically?
3: Yeah no no no, no just like in, or general, just in general like they're just Yeah. Saying, like, you should stop oversharing. yeah. Which, yes, there's some things that should remain private, some things that should stay between um, you and your spouse or you and your family or you and your, you know, close friends group. Like, totally get that. Totally understand that.
0: Mm.
3: But by saying that, you are putting this weight on people like me who have... So I... I don't know if Steven's mentioned this, but we started having sex when we were in high school. Um, and oh. <laughs> surprise. oh, I certainly
0: have surprise. mentioned this too.
3: <laughs> Surprised <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> um, and I didn't know then that infertility was such a big thing. I didn't understand, like, I didn't even understand about my own menstrual cycle enough to realize that there was a problem. Like, my psych and again, I like oversharing. So, like, sorry if this is tmi but like my cycle would be anywhere from like 28 days to four months at a time like without without like actually going through the cycle so i didn't like i never understood it like i didn't have any like adequate education to tell me like hey that seems like a problem maybe you should go to the doctor and talk about this kind of stuff and get this figured out like never understood that so steven and i started having sex I'm allergic to latex, so obviously we didn't use protection like it didn't. When I was in high school, I literally was like, oh, we had sex. I'm probably going to get pregnant.
2: Well, that's because like, all that's all we heard in youth group and even in just, school, like yeah. in health class, it's like
3: you had sex. You're going to get pregnant, you're get pregnant. Like and you, you should sex have... once. Yeah, you're going to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And like that, like that is beat into people, essentially. <laughs> so like. Going through, you know, my junior and senior year of high school, I literally every time Steven and I had sex, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be pregnant. And because my cycles are so crazy and erratic, like it gave the impression that like maybe I'm late. So like maybe I am pregnant because that's something that you hear about, too. Like, oh, my my period's late, so I must be pregnant. But it wasn't that (laughs) it was because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and like I have uh, these large cysts that form on my ovaries that tend to burst sometimes. And like, it causes like super crazy waves in my, in my cycle. My hormones are like crazy through the charts. Like they don't make any sense. It w- It is almost, almost physically impossible for me to get pregnant. So in high school, I went through all of this, not knowing that like Oh, maybe something's wrong because we are having sex quite frequently and I'm not getting pregnant like at all. Like never, like we had our scares because my cycles were so crazy, but I never, ever got pregnant. And like, I don't mean to sound like crude, but like we were doing it enough that like I, um, any other girl, any other girl would have gotten pregnant. Yeah,
2: pretty much. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs)
3: Like any other girl <laughs> so like if people had been willing to share when i was a senior in high school if people had been willing to be open about infertility about polycystic ovarian syndrome about like endometriosis or like ms or even like chronic diseases like crohn's disease like i would have understood like okay i'm not getting pregnant when this is happening and my cycles are crazy so maybe I should see a doctor about this. Like, there's obviously mm. something wrong that I'm not getting pregnant because of this. Um, so I've been seeing a ton of people on all these social media sites just being like, stop oversharing. It's rude and gross or whatever. Like, I overshare now because I don't want a girl who is currently in high school, who is having sex with her boyfriend, who thinks that she's getting Pregnant every single time that she has sex And then finding out that she's not pregnant I don't want a girl like that That was in my situation Turning to like Having to google things Not being willing to talk to her parents And not having somebody to turn to Because nobody is talking about it So I I have a I have a very very I have a tendency to overshare um, And I have experienced a lot Of hate and love for it I've experienced a lot of people being like you need to stop sharing this kind of stuff like we don't need to hear about it like all I think mm. about when you share this stuff is you and your husband having sex which like that's your own freaking problem if that's Have what you you're thinking that yes straight absolutely. up absolutely oh straight up Um, and then I've had wow. I've had the exact opposite where I've had I've had younger friends come to me and be like I I'm struggling exactly with what like my cycles are really crazy. Like I've had this abdominal pain for a long time and I never knew what it was. And like you talking about your infertility and talking about your struggle with your cycle and all of these things. This encouraged me to go to a doctor and find out that I also have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Wow. I totally understand the whole like some things are private. I get it. But like if we're not talking about it, there's more people that are getting hurt from it than benefiting from it. I've had so many people come to me after they have already struggled with this for long periods of time and be like, if you hadn't said anything, I would still be struggling with this and I still wouldn't know what
2: was wrong. Yeah. Right.
1: Do you find um, that there's any overlap in the whole like don't overshare, like keep things private? Community and American Christianity. hundred
3: percent. You don't even have to finish the question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like where I like, where do you think that comes from? Because like, I do think you bring up an interesting point, Stephen. That like youth group tells you a lot about like, don't have sex because you're going to get pregnant. And but like, public school sex ed sometimes doesn't do that much better, depending on the region. Like, yeah. obviously, some curriculums do give you more information, but. Like, sometimes it is boiled down to that. And I think what you're hitting on the head, Dixie, is that, uh, like, infertility is, like, the opposite end of the spectrum that yeah. a lot of people don't talk about, regardless of whether it's religiously or educationally. And I don't know. I haven't really thought about this before, because I think that the the intersection about, like, purity culture and infertility just, like, not crossing over that much. Yeah. But obviously, there is a huge crossover, like, in individuals. That's... Yeah fascinating.
3: I and also like the fact that it's not talked about more. Like of course everyone talks about Abraham and Sarah. Everyone talks about it. Like that's classic story. She laughed and she had Isaac. Like there are numerous stories in the Bible about infertility about people that are married for long long time that either end up having children at a very old age or never having children. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm pretty sure like just off the top of my head, there's at least eight different stories in the Bible and the unwillingness to talk about it. And then also on top of that, the pressure that it puts on women in the church when they do struggle with fertility.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I the the question of like what we would call infertility and what the Bible often calls like she was barren, you know, she was not able to bear children or something like that that is one of those it's like if you put on the right colored glasses you Mm -hmm. can read almost the entire bible through that frame like it's one of those things that until it's pointed out to you like this is a theme Mm -hmm. that has like run beneath humanity like this entire time Mm -hmm. but we don't really talk about yeah you know i even think of the uh is it (laughs) zachariah The like the prophet that goes mute. Yep. You know, right? Yeah. Like him and his wife. He that yeah. was the thing.
3: Isaac and Rebecca. Um, Hannah and uh, her husband. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hannah, and, you're right.
3: Sarah, obviously. Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Michael, one of Saul's daughters.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or Jacob and Rachel. So there's the thing. So oh yes, Rachel. It's, yes, it's yeah. that. In the Bible, it's easy on a plain text reading to come away with childbearing equals blessedness, barrenness equals cursed. Yep. So even Rachel in the story is looking at her sister saying like, oh, my gosh, she's given birth to 10 children to our husband. Yep. And I've given him what she thinks is nothing. What it turns into is she gives birth to Joseph and Benjamin. Yep. Right. Like two major figures. and. She literally says, like, my curse is lifted or mm-hmm. like the Lord has smiled on me. Yeah. And I think that is one element that actually. Oh, man, there's a whole thread here because I can actually I feel like I can actually tie it directly into like health and wealth, prosperity gospel. Oh, 100 percent. In America. Oh, I didn't. Even well, think about and that.
3: I. So like just looking at the story of Abraham and Sarah, God obviously promised children to them like God told them straight up like you're going to have kids. And it wasn't until Sarah laughed. It wasn't until that moment when Sarah was like, "It wasn't. Ha ha ha. This isn't going to happen." Yeah. That God, like, and it also gives this paints this picture that God is just like it paints the picture of like the vengeful God
2: or and or toying with, yeah, people. like,
3: yeah. And it's like you have to do a certain thing to get this curse removed, or you have to do a certain thing to be blessed by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of stigma put onto young women. In the Christian Church is just so toxic,
2: which is how patriarchal cultures would interpret something like yeah. that.
3: You're of no use to me if you can't bear children.
2: In modernity, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to see some like the 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 writers of the Old Testament were doing theologizing as they were writing. Mm-hmm. They weren't just writing the plain facts. Yeah, you know, like any any interpretation game yeah. is happening there. So
3: well, and they also didn't have the like the knowledge of you know basic reproductive systems like (laughs) there's a very real chance that that was Abraham's fault that was Isaac's fault that was Zachariah's fault like there is a very 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 good chance that it had nothing to do with the women but nobody ever addresses that
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: because women Mm. are the ones that carry the children
2: oh man (laughs) Oh man! Just
1: stomp on the patriarchy. Josh, what do you think of this?
2: <laughs> what do you think of this tie to prosperity gospel? You like to bring up prosperity gospel from well, time that's, to time. No,
1: I think that's a super interesting tie-in. I'm like just kind of puzzling that around now. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from, and obviously, I have not experienced this to the extent that you have, Dixie. Mm-hmm. For sure, I 100 percent don't think I have, but there's definitely a tie-in with like women feeling pressured to have children. And also couples to have children within oh, yeah. Christianity, and I feel Ooh. like a lot of people, I I hate this fallacy because it's such a straw man. Mm-hmm. I I dislike it when people criticize any religious group for being involved with children and like trying to paint it as child abuse, as yeah. if like
3: right.
0: the
1: only motivation for religion is to like produce more children and like that's how you take over the world. And of course, like some religions, like um, have a like soft attitude about that, like. So you grew up Mormon. Mormons and Catholics. <laughs> yeah. Like there's like stereotypes like for a reason. Babies. Like of course, certain traditions like emphasize certain things and like children and like quote unquote family values can like, be wrapped up in there. Yeah. Right. But like the the like the heavy emphasis on it is like what befuddles me even still. Like yeah. as much as I don't think that most religious traditions are like actually having the attitude of Like, we will have children and take over the world, or (laughs) they're only having children to, like, create more converts. Well, of of course, that's a function of religion. Like, of course, that's going to happen. But, like, that's not the only reason people have kids. Like, people have kids because they want to have kids.
3: Yeah, exactly. I honestly... Okay, so I just finished reading The Hunger Games, and this is exactly The Hunger Games. Like, the capital is the church Mm. trying to produce children so that they can, you know the the more children that they have in the capital, the bigger the capital is. It's a essentially. question of progeny. Whereas whereas the children in the the districts are born out of, you know, actual intimate relationships. Like they're not born mm. to be put into this system like they were born because their parents love love each other. Like mm. that that's the whole idea. Um and essentially the church, like the Capital C Christian church, is the capital. Like mm. have children So that they will be good, God loving, God fearing people and they will have children, and just it's dominoes all the way down.
2: Turtles
1: all the way down. (laughs) Turtles
3: all the way down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the prosperity tie in is interesting though, because like I feel like there's totally that, Stephen, I think you're right. There's totally that sense of like children are a blessing from God Mm -hmm. that's like sort of in the Bible, but it's also like such a huge interpretive. Yeah. Point. Yes. And it told like as soon as you start seeing humans as something that you
3: as a prize.
1: Uh, what is th- Yeah, sort of. I was gonna say something that you caused, but that's not quite or right. Or like a
3: trophy. Like you did good. Here's a baby.
1: Yeah. Oh yes, like something you deserve or like a reward. As soon as you see humans as that, like of course it's gonna get tied into prosperity. Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. prosperity gospel attitudes.
3: Yeah, and that's the that I so to get into um, How people talk to people that are struggling with fertility and even just newly married couples or just couples in general or just any living female person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: any because living person who can get pregnant. Any
3: person that can carry a baby like I from my earliest memory can recall people being like, "Oh, how many kids do you want?" And like of course as a kid I was like, "I want 70," you know, because like you didn't understand like what that meant to have kids. Like totally makes sense. Um but I have a like a list of two things of people who can ask me questions about my fertility or a- about my children or about my sex life. Um not so much the sex life one, but like these two Groups of people are the only people that are released from like any judgment if they ask the question and that is uh, formal paperwork so like taxes (laughs) like I have to put it down like I have this child so like I have to tell them so that like taxes you know Hmm. and old old people who have dementia because they don't know any better (laughs) like that's it those are the only two people that should be allowed on my in my personal opinion like for children? me I mean yeah I guess they okay. okay old old people with dementia are essentially toddlers and so like, like that
1: uh, is true wow
3: <laughs> I have wiped enough of their butts to know anyway both sides anyway sorry <laughs> but there there's a there's a long list of things that you should not as a human with just common sense you should not say to a young couple or a person that can get pregnant or just
2: let's i mean get, anybody really let's get into it you have a list
3: yeah absolutely
2: Well, i feel like the top
1: one off the bat has to be god made this happen or god wanted Ooh, this that's to
3: not the top one i really? well, i want to get into that like that is definitely like a top yeah priority but like that is that is definitely more on the grief side of it and less on the infertility side which of it, maybe we'll that makes frame sense. Which
2: maybe the grief side of things will frame as the second half of the episode
3: yeah yeah so i think the like so specifically with fertility and just like falling pregnant like just that things that you should not say to anybody just relax relax it'll happen like that don't it's literally mm. that It it's the same for um like So when you start your fertility journal journey and like you learn about whatever is causing your fertility to be wonky, a lot of people come up to you and say, well, if you just relax, then it'll happen. Or like just have a glass of wine and it'll happen or like go on vacation and it'll happen. Stop thinking about it and it'll happen. Like
2: You know what's funny is it very often it is like fellow people who can get pregnant that tell you that. Oh, I tell you specifically that. And very often, like these are people who have been through labor and they tell stories of like of being in labor and their partners being like, you're doing so good, babe. And they just like freak out. Yeah. It's, it's it's they're the asking same. for the same thing. Right. You're like we're pushing in the middle a
3: watermelon <laughs> out of your vagina. OK, do not tell me to relax.
2: We're in the middle of something stressful. Telling me to relax it's is like, like
3: it's like walking into a room in nasa and they're trying to build the next rocket that will go into space and they have a deadline of like 16 hours and being like <laughs> well if you just relax maybe just take like an hour right um and then come back to it maybe it'll work then right like no that's not how this works you don't get to tell me to yeah. relax i'm trying to make a human it's like walking
1: into your first day at the bomb squad and saying hey don't blow it kid
3: it's like walking into your first day at bomb squad and being like just cut all the wires (laughs) (laughs) that's what it's like (laughs) i know you're only supposed to cut one but what if you cut all of them yeah no
2: it's Can I just say work. real quick that yeah. I find you delightful? I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm Thank so you.
3: glad. Because I'm getting on the verge of like super hype aggro. Like yeah. right. I just get like that sometimes. So N- I'm sorry.
2: Next one on the list.
3: <laughs> I have to think about it now because I was really you... getting into that one. <laughs> Open
2: your phone, it was on the list. <laughs> I know.
3: Um how so like this is more towards people like you don't know. So I get this a lot, like going to church if I haven't been to church in a while or like going to like a home church like where you grew up and like you know friends and family that kind of thing when people say so when are you going to start having kids
2: or any kids yet
3: yeah or like how many kids do you have like I know I've been married to my husband Mm. for six years but the answer is zero so
2: right
1: I get how people get there but I don't know It does kind of amaze me when older people who like have probably like someone, someone like statistically has struggled with infertility or something. And like, it's still like such a common go to question from older generations.
3: It's just and it's just that like, it's just what people think that you should talk about. It's like meeting someone for the first time and being like, how's the weather? It's like you were outside, too like like you know how the weather is we walked here together like any kids yet do you see any running around do you see me holding anybody to my <laughs> chest of course not like <laughs> they, like just get better questions like there yeah. are other things that we can talk about you can ask me about my art you can ask me about my job you can ask me about my hobbies why does it have to be about how many kids i have
1: cultural
2: expectations
3: it's ridiculous honestly
1: species expectations we're going to take a quick break to say a few thank yous then we'll be back to our conversation thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast y'all are such a huge encouragement to us if you'd like to support future episodes of ravel visit patreon.com ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes
3: Thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at Ravel Pod on Instagram and Twitter.
2: And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color.
1: And thank you to the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The Whiskey Bench.
2: Over time, you know the the work we have as humans to like engage in relationship with people is kind of invite them to be like, but what if see what see where the grass is greener just one click over? You know, you're still right. That's fine, but like come over here a little bit. You know, like take a step. Like let me show you something that might convince you otherwise. You know, and that takes time. And that takes a lot of patience. And it certainly takes very, very nuanced conversations. And now back to the conversation. If I can add to the list, mm-hmm. our friend Katie, who's been on Ravel. Yeah, Katie. Mrs. Falcon Grove.
3: She got her haircut after mine. Um, so That's I think true. she's trying to be like me.
2: Anyway, she uh-huh. tweeted a while ago because she was asked by just a random stranger, Are you pregnant? Oh,
1: that's a whole other can of worms. (laughs) That's interesting to ask a complete stranger.
3: Yeah. I mean, I so. Was she? um,
1: No. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I figured, but I wasn't really sure. Is she? No. (laughs) Uh,
2: But see, that's that's the thing is like there are so many assumptions about the shape of a body that is pregnant. Yeah, no. That many people Dude, might share. And I, like
3: I'm shaped like a pregnant person. I know that. I get that. But like
2: hmm.
3: that why are you asking such personal questions? If I were pregnant, I would tell you. I'd be so freaking excited. You'd yes. be I never met you before. I would tell you. I'd walk past you in the grocery store, I'd be like, I'm pregnant.
1: Right. Like, <laughs> you don't need to ask. What do you think was the best question that you got? about your infertility <laughs> slash Best. or even like the most caring question because like I'm he's, sure like he's in the midst in of a legitimate I know I
3: know sense. no no I yeah. gonna I'm going to answer
1: both <laughs> I mean I'm sure you got some bangers I'm going an- <laughs> to
3: literally um I'm going to answer both hey, First the not good question Oh yeah yeah Uh someone who I would never discuss any thing like this with said are you doing it right Wow Hmm. Are you sh- are you are you sure you're doing it right? Yeah, I'm doing it right. We've been hmm. doing it for 12 years. I'm pretty sure I've got that down. I know the system. <laughs>
2: like, pretty good. Don't answer.
3: You don't ask someone who is just an acquaintance. Do you are you having sex correctly?
2: Right like that?
3: Here. I'm all for oversharing. I'm all for it. But I'm not going to tell you about how me and Steven get down. I'm not gonna tell you. (laughs) And yes. We're
2: not gonna share it on Ravel And I'm not
3: gonna share it here either.
2: Ayo. Unless
3: we're friends, then we can talk and like we'll talk about it. Um
2: so on the on the positive side of the positive side. Thoughtful people.
3: So the good question that was asked, it was asked by an acquaintance. Her name is Kristen Steingraber. She's great. Um, she's actually one of the people we talked to when we started first started talking about foster care and stuff like that. Mm She, instead of asking, someone else had asked me, do you have any kids? And she was there and, you know, saw me react like, no, I don't have any kids. And just like move on from the question. And instead of trying to get me to talk more about that, she made a point of being like, I'm sorry that you're struggling with this. Um, Is there anything that I can say or do for you? at this time like in this moment like is there anything i can say to like draw attention away from this specific topic um and that was like the best thing anyone had ever ever said
2: it wasn't even a question about it it was just a question about how she can be present it's like how, how
3: how like do you need help and can i draw attention away from this like that was essentially the question, and it was like I literally I'd never been asked that before, and I literally I don't even remember how I responded. I'm pretty sure I was just like wordless, <laughs> like yeah. I mm. don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and it was I I still think about it. It's that that is primo question, mm. and that is exactly how you should talk to someone. Like if you witness somebody respond negatively to someone asking a question that personal about like how many kids they have how many kids they want that kind of stuff like your first response should be do you want to talk about this
2: totally and if Mm, you don't like i will
3: change the subject right now
2: even i'm i'm thinking about friends who you know like couples who are christian Mm -hmm. and they feel led down the path of like you know, based on their ethical values, they are actually consciously choosing to not have children. Yeah. I also think, I don't know why my brain is going to a parallel with asexual people, Mm -hmm. you know, like the ace community. Sure. And just like, it's, it's just one of those things that, man, even the insensitivity of just starting to ask questions about people assuming their sexual orientation or anything like that. Like an ace person would be like, no, I don't want to have a conversation about this because it's not me.
3: I read something earlier that was um, essentially was there a they until they say otherwise.
2: Yeah. Which is how um, I've been transforming which is, my language, for which sure. is just
3: to assume like you don't know anything about this person. So don't assume anything, anything about them.
2: Anything. You don't know anything. Literally,
3: mm. you know nothing. Right. So don't ask them if they're pregnant. Don't ask An- until them you, until if you they do. want any children.
2: Until you do know things about them. Yeah. And which here's, of course, the natural plug is that you should get to know people with like questions that, hey, because we host no normal people (laughs) and stuff. Yeah, I get it.
1: Thanks. oh, um, I get it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, get to know people. No. Get to know people with
2: questions that are, that get to the root of them as a person, but that make no assumptions about them. Uh, The open ended question is the best tool we have in our tool belt as humans who want to forge relationships.
1: It's a really difficult mm-hmm. thing to master, honestly. Like I've been getting involved in part of the interview process at work, and a good open-ended question that actually gets someone to open up is a really difficult thing to master.
3: It's a really difficult thing to learn how to answer too. Totally. Like I have been bombarded with so many questions about fertility and children hmm. that when somebody asks me a genuine question, just like basic like tell me about yourself, I don't know how to answer because most of the conversations I have now unwillingly is about my fertility. Mm. And it's like, yeah. I have a personality. Like, can we talk about that? Do we have to talk about the things that I struggle with right now? Like, ask Dude. me about my art. I'm really passionate about that. I don't want to tell you about my sex life.
2: <laughs> some, some people.
1: How I, much sex do you think you would have? I could <laughs> When you get married. How much? How much? More. Do you think you want to do it every day? <laughs> do, what about every oh, like? Wouldn't maybe every other day?
2: Josh, you oh. haven't been through the premarital just uh, oh my I know. with a pastor. That is an actual question well, we plan have to on answer. Doing it. Yeah, Hey-o. and
3: it's and it. Hey. <laughs> I'm gonna remain celibate. Um. <laughs> no, that's
1: not what I'm saying.
2: No, he's just gonna abstain from premarital church counseling. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. 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 That is the
2: opposite of the sex that I want.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you want to have sex this way or this way? Um,
0: then... no, no, no.
1: no. <laughs> I keep thinking about a thing that you um were touching on, and I I don't want to forget about it. Kay. it fascinates me how there is such an overlap in. Like, Christians wanting to emphasize having children, like whether or not it's tied into aspects of purity culture, mm-hmm. when, like, clearly, like, the New Testament part of the Bible is trying to leave behind the Old Testament part of the Bible that is focused on having children. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's in the Old Testament. And, like, even, like, the fact that the gospel writers put genealogies in for Jesus, like... Yeah. It's sort of a callback to that, but it's also like a callback to lines of royalty, like when people would write like biographies of the kings and stuff and like, like that. It's just
3: like prophecy. <laughs> like they're just telling you his yeah, genealogy. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's just telling right. you his genealogy so you could see like this was written. <laughs>
1: like right. that's what right, it right. is. But then like it's so obvious <laughs> to me that like the rest of the New Testament is like imagining a reality bigger than mm-hmm. like only progressing through children. Yeah. Like, it's it's a reality, like, focused on adoption and people relating to other people, regardless of whether or not they are related. Yeah. And it's so obvious to me. And, like, why would Christians, like, ha- still have such a, like, I hate to critique it like this, but, like, such an old, outdated view of what it means to have children and relate to other humans.
0: Mm.
2: Because... Be fruitful and multiply it makes a really nice cross-stitch hobby lobby <laughs> <laughs> I really do believe that's what it is I really do believe like it's Genesis the marketing.
3: It's Genesis the marketing. 2
2: tells us be fruitful and multiply and fruitful must only mean Ugh. this and yeah. multiply must, must only, only mean, this. mean
1: this yeah I don't know what it is about this week uh, Dixie I'm glad that you brought this talk- topic because I don't know what it is about this week but within the same week I have seen a couple Come through wearing matching shirts that say virginity rocks. And uh. also on TikTok. I saw which I mean, if that's your choice, I mean, yeah, I get it. Go but for like, it, like if you, you want to should, do it, you should. Or, have I mean, if you sex, don't want to do it, great.
3: <laughs> I get it, but like, just do it.
1: <laughs> the, really, the new slogan for virginity should be: Yeah, having sex is great, but have you tried but not? Have, but have you tried it? But have you tried not? Um, but the uh but and then also on TikTok, I saw like some couple like make one of those meme videos. I don't really know what to call them. They're not quite memes, but they're like.
3: I get
0: it. Whatever. Yeah, anyway, yeah.
1: it was just like a video of them dancing around celebrating the fact that in 2 months they will get to have sex cuz they'll be married.
3: <laughs> hmm. I had a, I had sex and, a week before my
1: wedding.
2: <laughs> hey, yo.
1: It's hey. incredible. Such what is self-control? What did you like, say about
2: oversharing?
1: Is it my <laughs> Hi, is, it, is, is it naive Mom of me to like look at a video like that or even like see a couple like that that is clearly making all of these Way outward signals that feel like overcompensation. Oh yeah, and like just think in my head, like oh, I mean, you've probably done it. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that you're like like shouting like to the world over- It's kind
3: of like the douche truck vibe, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> and like in
1: some, some ways I big. hate to make that assumption. <laughs> like in some ways I feel like I'm doing the same mistake by like assuming someone's private behavior. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I totally or like get what it. they do or don't want, and I feel kind of guilty about that sometimes. But like, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about?
3: Yeah, totally. I totally understand. Um, We were at a baby shower relatively recently. um, And Mm -hmm. we actually... So there were a couple young couples sitting behind us. Like
2: Like 20, 21.
3: Like married within the last six months young. Just newlyweds. Um, And... Uh, The topic of conversation, obviously, at a baby shower is how many kids are you going to have, which is why I hate baby showers. (laughs) Um, Not that I've told this to every single person that I'm friends with that has had a baby. I love you and I support you and I'm happy for you and I'm so excited to meet your kid. But this is really hard for me. So like Mm. if I come, I might not stay for the whole thing. Just because it's really hard for me to exist in a room where people only want to talk about kids. So, mm, yeah. anyway, these this these young couples sitting behind us were talking about, obviously, how many kids they want to have when they wanted to start having kids. Um, and one of the girls literally said, well, I'm going to be 30 in five years. So, like, I want to have all of my kids before then. And mm. literally, I, like, this, that snapped me. Like, I turned to Steve and I was like, "I we have to go home like i can't i turn 30 next year and i've had two miscarriages this year Hmm. um sorry uh just seeing i i don't ever want to crush someone's hope or dreams or anything like that um and I was a hundred percent there when Steven and I first got married. I was totally into those conversations, like, yeah, we wanna have this many kids, we wanna have them mm. by this time, we're gonna wait this many years before we start trying. I totally get it. Totally get it. Been there. Um, and like like I said before, like I don't go to baby showers because of this reason. Mm. Um, and I shouldn't I shouldn't put the expectation on people that I've never met. To not have conversations like that around me. But. um, Like. I, there's no other way for me to say it. But like. You just got to grow up. Like. Like. Understanding. Uh, pain. And understanding grief. And understanding difficulty. If you've never experienced those kinds of things. It's still your responsibility. To like. Dive into what those experiences are. And learn about them so that you don't put people like me in situations where they feel like they can't stay at one of their closest friends' baby showers because you're talking about how you want to have four kids before you turn thirty.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, sorry.
0: <laughs> you're okay.
1: It does kind of amaze me when people try to plan it out that specifically, and I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm really curious like where that comes from. Like I was just talking to someone the other day about that about how like someone doesn't want to take like a big international trip next year because it it overlaps with like their pregnancy plan to have a child next year oh yeah I don't know it's great to like maybe think about like if you can do it like I don't know there's like financial stuff to think about there's like job stuff to think about like whether or not you can actually like do it but like I don't know I feel like infertility is just like such a great example of like things don't work that way
3: yeah no and honestly like there are obviously some outliers like i have friends who like don't have any plan to ever get pregnant or have kids some of them maybe want to adopt but like they don't have the intention of like getting pregnant and having their own kids biologically um but i could easily say that most little girls like at a young age
2: think about it
3: well like we're told from a young age like so when are you gonna have kids you know like we get asked those questions all the time like what's your plan are you gonna be a mom when you when you grow up what do you want to be when you grow up like what's your career gonna be how is that gonna affect you being a mom um and then we're told statistics like you lose about 90 percent of your eggs by the time you turn 30 so you have to have kids before then so that uh, like the chances of you being able to have kids is higher. And then we're told things like um, by the is time. Is that you even t-
1: true? I, have I don't no, think that's I have true, actually. Absolutely
3: no idea. But another I, one I've is heard like that that's a myth. Yeah. I, another one is like if you have a kid closer to the age of 40 or after that, that kid is more likely to have autism. So you want to have kids before that because apparently autism is a
1: curse. Like um, Fun fact. That's not true. I know, I know for a fact that yeah. that's not true. No, It's more tied. We actually have conclusive evidence that it is directly tied to the age of the father.
3: It's directly tied to vax. No. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jokes,
0: jokes, the jokes, age of the jokes. jokes. Wow.
1: Don't worry. Your essential no, oils actually, can like, hear that. Th- there's um, really good evidence that it is absolutely tied to the age of the father right
3: and but like but, but also as, to your
1: point like autism is not the worst yeah no
3: thing, no like get happened. over it like have you heard of polio anyway um <laughs> like from a very young age we're like told this like we're not told like this is how you put a tampon in but like have kids before you turn 40 because if you don't then they're probably going to be autistic like why all i would say a vast majority of of girls are told these things from a very young age mm. and it puts this idea that like you have to have a plan you have to be ready to like get married um and i mean that's a whole other thing like getting married before you turn 25 like gotta finish college if you're gonna go the career route um, but you gotta get married before that and then you gotta plan to have kids right after that you know like that's definitely a very lds thing too um, totally like mm-hmm. get yeah, off your mission. mission get off your mission get married have kids like that's that is the the line that you follow order
2: well. of operations yeah
3: so it's just i well
2: so you 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 grow up and and this is one of those things where like you grow up hearing all this and of course if none of that goes according to that plan or mm-hmm your family's plan because God knows your aunt loves to talk about it. Oh, we all have that one. Aunt, have so right? There's so
3: many aunts. Steven. Um,
2: like <laughs> when, when it doesn't go according to plan, then you of course internalize the opposite message that you are cursed somehow for not fulfilling the blessing or you know, like you, you, you basically, you become kind of like the pariah of the family because she's like, she's the sick one.
3: Oh you know? Yeah. And that's okay. So in my family specifically, um, my oldest sister, Marisa, she struggled with fertility, too. She had four kids by IVF um, and then had two boys after that. And then my older sister, just older than me, my sister Avery, she has Crohn's disease. Um, So for most of her diagnosis, like like none of us were really sure if she was ever going to be able to have kids And then she got pregnant with uh, my niece and she currently is pregnant with another kid. I, before I got diagnosed with PCOS, I was considered like 100% healthy. I was, I was healthy. I don't have any like major heart problems, major lung problems, anything like that. Like I've had knee surgery and I've had hand surgery. Like any problem that I have had has been with like bones essentially like it's never been like chronic illness and so when when steven and i got married we got married the same exact year that my older sister avery got married um and i've been with steven now for 12 years um so when we got married it was kind of like it was never said my sister and i never actually openly said this like it was kind of like a race to see who would get pregnant first even though we weren't trying to um, but when she got pregnant with my niece, I literally was like, Well, okay. Um I love my sister Avery. Um, the the girl that we thought for the longest time wouldn't be able to have kids got pregnant. Hmm. And then um oh god, this is hard to talk about. Um, Steven's brother and our sister-in-law, David and Michaela, I love them. They're the best. My favorite. In laws of all time. Um, they uh found out that they were pregnant um last year, last January, I think.
0: I mean February? almost two years
1: ago. No. I don't know.
3: Um anyway, they they had they got pregnant and they ended up having our nephew Michael um last October. Um and like the the initial thought was like I'm not the person that's giving my mom grandchildren. I'm not the person that is giving Steven's parents grandchildren. Like something is clearly wrong. I don't okay. <laughs> I know I'm crying. I don't actively feel this way about about it anymore. I'm past it, but it's still hard to talk about. Um when I was first diagnosed with PCOS and when we started the fertility journey, that thought was a constant because we knew it wasn't Steven. We knew it was me. Hmm. Um, and being the kid um, in my family growing up, that was the healthy one. I was the active one. I was the healthy one. I was the strong one. I'm an Enneagram eight. So like, I like being the protector. I like being the, you know, burly one. I like being the one in charge. Um, when I was diagnosed with this and found out that it would be Significantly harder for us to get pregnant, and then having the miscarriages. It was like every single question that has ever been asked to me about when I'm going to be having kids, or how many kids I'm going to have. Um, every single question was like just a stab, just straight in the stomach, like. This is your fault. Like, you did this. You're the problem. And if Steven is ever going to be a dad, we have to fix you.
0: Hmm.
3: Um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of newly married Christian women go through the exact same thing. Like, the exact same feeling. Like, yeah, it is totally. 100% your fault. Um, and then... Going through miscarriages and going through conversations with people who just don't understand this kind of grief and having them ask or say things like, well, they're in a better place saying that about my children that I will not meet in this life, saying that they are in a better place than in their parents' arms. That, that's not okay. That's, that, mm. that would be like going to my grandma after my grandpa passed away and being like, well, he's healthy and happy now. Like, he couldn't be help, healthy and happy here. This couldn't be a place for him. Like, we couldn't mm. hold him here even for a moment. Like, that's, you don't say stuff like that to people who are grieving.
0: Mm.
3: And just because it's a less... Physical experience for half of us essentially like i've ex- I experienced the literal pain of having the miscarriage, but Stephen didn't get to experience that. He wasn't even with me when the first one happened, so uh, I think what I'm trying to get across about the grief specifically of like what I've experienced and what Stephen has experienced and what millions of people have experienced at this point um you don't need to say anything like Mm -hmm. anything that you could say we have already thought it we've thought it a million times every single possible thing that you could say we've read the bible we've had friends that have had miscarriages we've heard the things said to other people like i don't need you to say you know they're in a better place i don't need you to try and comfort me or steven what anyone needs in situations like that is just to be there mm. like steven mentioned jesus sat at the tomb with mary he wasn't trying to like talk her up and be like you know everything's okay he's in a better place he sat there and he wept that's right. all he did he sat next to her and he wept and knowing
2: Knowing full well yeah. that he was going to call Lazarus out of the tomb. Like, he still just knew what Mary needs.
3: That pain is still very real, and right. it's very visceral, and it is difficult, right. and it is, like, entrenching, and none, no one needs you to say anything.
2: Yeah. There's also a reason we make fun of all of Job's friends for talking oh, too much. Oh, they
3: were so awful. <laughs> they, if Don't take anything else away from the story of job only take how horrible his friends were from the story of job that's all you should read into
2: right well like his friends were
3: such garbage
2: the the story parallels quite a bit of them trying to say like well it must have been your fault you must have done something that god needed to do this to teach you a lesson or you know, like all, all of this theologizing yeah. and philosophizing Which about we've, cause and effect. We've gotten right? that,
3: too. Like, totally. obvious, obviously, this was part of God's plan. If that was part of God's plan, I don't want anything to do with that God. Yeah. Like, I don't want right. any part of it. Thank yeah. you, but no thank you.
1: Man, you're making me think of so many things. I, I think you're absolutely right that um, either people don't know what to say and then they, like, awkwardly say something because they feel like they should. Mm-hmm. or when it comes to like theologizing through people's grief and specifically something like infertility i think that sometimes people say things cuz they actually think they believe that oh yeah or they think you believe that mm. and either way they haven't like taken to its full conclusion what they're saying yeah like right. someone saying like well, god must have had a plan yeah i think sometimes when people say that they genuinely believe that but they don't know what that means. A
3: hundred percent. Like I know people that a hundred percent believe that. Like I there is a couple that I was acquaintances with through uh, like history um, and they've had multiple miscarriages as mm-hmm. well. Like same time as Stephen and I going through this. And that is a hundred percent the avenue that they go down. And it got to the point where like I can't I can't follow you. On social media anymore. Like, I can't see you. Like, I respect you, and however you want to get through this, you do it. You do it. But, like, I can't sit here and watch you say that, like, this is God's plan for your children while I'm going through this as well. Like, I don't believe that at all. I do not believe for even a second that God's plan was to kill my children before I could even hold them in my arms. Not for one second. So, like, I can't sit here and watch you say that. Like, you are entitled to think that and that is fine. And this goes back to earlier in the conversation. Like, if we're friends, if I've invited you into this moment to, like, actually grieve with me, I know to a point what you would say. You know me well enough that you know what to say to me. Like, if I've invited you into this space to talk to me about my grief, about our miscarriages... I know that you're not going to say stuff like that to me. So if I have not specifically invited you into this moment to speak over me about mm. the death of my children, you're not invited. You're not invited to this moment. You don't get to participate in the grieving. This is between me and my husband and God and our children and whoever else I've invited into it. Like, that is it. Mm. And you should not say anything about it.
1: You want to hear a funny story? about this it's i know it's so hard to like bring lightheartedness into this but give us a funny (laughs) josh lift us out so um i've obviously never had a miscarriage um but i remember (laughs) i know shocker i remember at a uh a church small group once one of my friends brought to the group that they had been experiencing some miscarriages and they they, like, obviously planned to tell us, like, they wanted to, like, include us, which I think is, like, a really, I, I remember at the time, like, it was the first time, like, one of my, like, people that I was more close to yeah. had gone through something and, like, been public about it. Like, I've probably known more people who just, like, haven't been public about it. Yeah. And I remember, it like, in the moment feeling, in a weird way, honored
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, like, be invited into the moment. Uh, but, like, also, like, kind of speechless. Like, I think I felt the... Like the pressure of like I don't know what to say like I don't like I don't think this was God's will I don't mm-hmm. think like God caused this but like I don't know what to say yeah and I remember like as they were like talking about it more and obviously like they were both very emotional one of the guys in the group l- like sitting next to them leans over and puts his hand on the woman's Mm-mm. thigh Mm-mm. like Mm-mm. Ki- Mm-mm. N- not <laughs> not like far out on her leg like mid thigh. And um, far. <laughs> immediately, the husband reached over and like took his hand off. Yeah, and like put it back. And I, I like as soon as that happened, I was like out of the moment, and I was like, <laughs> "What? <laughs> why would oh, I
3: why would? Why would you do that? If someone did that, that to I a know friend, that's
1: not what to do. Yeah,
3: no, wrong move, bud.
2: Jeez.
3: Oh man, no. I if I was so in bad. that room, I would have gotten up and like taken him out of the room. Like, leave.
2: You're uninvited.
1: And and in some ways, I feel bad for him because, like, it totally just goes back to your example of, like, obviously, we don't talk about how to talk about this. Yeah. And, like, what to do, what not to do. And we certainly, like, at least in most church and religious contexts, like, it's just not talked about because there's such an emphasis on having kids. And then, like, therefore, not having kids is the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. And no one's prepared to deal with it, even though in our religious tradition, it's like rampant.
3: Yeah, no, and like I said earlier, like no one's talking about it because there's this stigma of like don't overshare. And that that just that that create that just create like I totally I'm like I said before, like you do not have to share. Absolutely do not have to share. That is totally private information. But if people don't share things, if people aren't open about things that they're willing to be open about, there are people that are going to suffer. Because where else are they gonna hear about it? No one else is talking about it.
2: Yeah, there I mean, we as American there are entire industries in America built to keep us not thinking about death for as long oh, as yeah. possible. Mm. Yeah, like the funeral home industry, man. We <laughs> I just think Americans are not good no, about th- thinking or talking about death. Absolutely which are not. Actually, at the time of this taping, I know is the next episode to drop on the Into podcast. They mm-hmm. go into death. Pretty much addressing that mm-hmm. fact is like, we just don't know how to talk about it. We, we have completely forgotten a theology of death that is in any way life-giving.
3: Mm-hmm. I think I think if I were Ironically, to give, if, <laughs> give advice about how to talk to someone who is grieving loss, I I can only really speak towards infertility and miscarriages like i don't have experiences other than like like i said my grandpa passing away i think it is so so much better if you don't know what to say and you can't be quiet Mm. like give them something physical to think about Uh, like our friend jessica that we had on no normal people her husband passed away two years ago and a friend of mine and I went up to the airport to go see her when she flew back home right after he had passed away. Um, and, like, I had I had never experienced that. I, ne- I had never thought about what it would be like to lose my husband. I can't even, to this day, imagine, like, the depths of that pain. But the one thing that I said to her that she seemed to respond to was, Something physical that she could do. And that was just make it to the next minute. Like, don't worry about the next minute. Just get to it. It's like one step at a time. Just keep going. If you have nothing else to say, if you don't have experience in that realm of grief or sadness, Mm. don't tell them how to feel about what they're experiencing. Give them something physical that they can hold on to. Give them something to do.
2: Wow. Hmm.
1: I hate crying.
2: Thank you for
1: Yeah, but you're so good at it. (laughs) What? What does that (laughs) even mean? Like you're such a good cry talker. Wow. Oh
3: well, yeah. You should
2: be a pastor. (laughs) I'm a a reverend. She is a reverend. (laughs) Can I can I just say again on the other side of the emotional spectrum, Dixie, that I find you delightful. Uh, um,
3: I don't know how to respond to compliments. Yeah. It's something I'm working on.
1: I also find you delightful, but only in the I love you being my barista and my new pastor sense. Hey. OG
3: barista. Can I tell... Okay, to lighten the mood, just for real quick, this has nothing to do with, with this episode of this podcast, <laughs> um, but I feel like it's important to say because there are two baristas on the line. I don't know... What the other ninety-eight percent of two percent milk is.
1: Oh, okay, so it, <laughs> it um it refers to the butter fat content.
3: Okay. So what, what is whole milk?
1: Four percent. Whole milk is four percent. What? Okay, <laughs> uh-huh. but what's but so
3: what's hundred percent then?
2: butter. Butter.
3: Oh okay. <laughs> okay. Yep. So buttermilk is the butter removed completely. Right? No,
1: no, no. no. Buttermilk <gasps> is even higher. How? But you—it's more you than four percent.
3: You get buttermilk by making butter.
1: No, nope. you get butter by having higher butter fat.
3: Oh my god! Oh, right. So you and use... even
1: even some uh butter is not hundred percent butter fat. Like American <laughs> butter and Can't European butter, butter. butter are different. Like European butter is above eighty-two percent butter fat. American butter is below eighty-two percent butter oh, fat, so their butter even, must be so. Even good. butter fat isn't hundred percent.
3: That's why you use um, heavy, heavy cream to make butter,
1: right? That's right, because it has a higher. You, could, you, you could. could make it with yeah. other. What really you? So you just keep straining out the non-butter fat until <sighs> it becomes solid or like spreadable.
3: Oh my God, you guys, That's dang I, it! See, okay, you guys, I've been a barista for a real long time. <laughs> Yeah, for a real long time, guys, and I literally my entire life I was like,
2: I don't know. But what is the other
3: ninety eight percent?
2: (laughs) Wow. And I've never
3: felt safe enough to ask that question until now. So I'm glad that I could do that. Sorry. I'm glad
1: that um in this safe (laughs) space we were able to like
2: tackle the hard question. I almost tweeted
3: it yesterday, but I was like, no, I don't feel safe.
2: That's fair. Twitter can often be an unsafe Twitter is not place. the space for that kind of dialogue, believe me. Um, yeah, says Josh and I, who have thought about the definitions of soups.
3: Yeah, well, you're um, wrong, so.
2: No, I can't. We can't litigate this with you. In the meantime, though, Dixie, will you tell our Ravel listeners where they can find you on the internet?
3: Sure. You can find my personal pages on Instagram, Twitter, um, at Dixie Lee Henning,
1: pretty. Be warned when she says personal, she means personal. personal. She gets personal. Get she If you want, she actually talks about fertility quite a lot. I do. So I do. I talk. If about you it want more running commentary,
3: Yep. constant. It's a constant berating of fertility. Anyway, that's wow. at Dixie Lee Henning at Twitter and Instagram. Yep. Um, if you want to follow my podcast, that would be Author's Intent. I believe it's Author's Intent on Instagram, and it's a underscore intent podcast on twitter and then if you would like to follow my art page you can find that on instagram amazing. twitter and tiktok at dixie lee draws
2: amazing you guys i have to tell you this before we sign off first of all i'm, I'm going to give you a little time here dixie because we've been letting the guests mm-hmm. give us a, some sort of blessing or benediction prayer sign off toast and you're a reverend, I feel like.
3: Yeah, I've got definitely got something prepared. You know how
2: to definitely. do this. Well, let me <laughs> let me give you some additional time here, because I, I have my orange notebook open that I always use when I podcast. Sure. And I don't know if the two of you know this, but the first time we all made a podcast together was what? also the first <gasps> time we ever made a podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No joke. It was exactly a year ago. <gasps>
3: It wasn't a year ago. It was two years ago. It was in 2019.
2: Oh, my God. It was two years ago. (laughs) August. (laughs) It was. Can I take that again? Burn in red. Yeah. Yeah. Remember
3: when you said that thing wrong?
2: I want to take it again. Let me take it again. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah, you you do it again. Do it again. Yeah.
3: That was cute, but you're wrong.
2: (laughs) Was exactly... Two years ago. What? We are recording. (laughs) That's wild. We are recording August 30th, 2021. And we recorded our episode of No Normal People Together. Steven. August 30th, 2019.
3: Steven, it's Kismet.
2: Two years ago.
3: It's Kismet. Good thing we, we didn't record anything else before.
2: We did it, you guys. We actually <laughs> didn't though. He was the first thing we ever no, recorded. I was talking
3: about this show. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> Shelley Bennett. Josh us? Josh,
2: do you have wild. any? Do you have any <laughs> final thoughts before Emily? Wow. Wow. Before, I the, get it. We're before both
1: the female yeah. pastors, but like before the we're reverend different. signs
2: us out. Do you <laughs> have any final thoughts, Josh?
1: Um the only final thought I have is a question that I thought of for Dixie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ready. Uh, the, I guess we'll just have to talk about next time. No, is, give it to me. Cliffhanger. What do you? Uh, is the author's intent of the Bible? <laughs> wow.
3: Ah. <sighs> well, there's a lot of biblical movies out, so we can.
2: I have some ideas. We can
3: unpack that. Two words. Moses. Noah. Two words. Sure.
2: Oh, reconciliation and mm. restoration.
3: Your mom is. I should a be a reverend saint. Um, <laughs> well, you're not. So <laughs> you're anyway, not, reverend, yeah, you didn't pay eleven dollars to the Universal Church of Life, or Universal of Life Christ Church of Latter Day Saints. Oh. Uh, Saints.
2: <laughs> reverend Dixie, would you leave us with a blessing? So,
3: um, here's another fun fact about Dixie. Um, I'm sorry, Reverend Dixie. Uh, I don't understand what benedictions are. But I'm gonna just like wing it and we'll see what happens.
1: What do you got? Well, I think it, I think it just legally counts as a benediction if because I, you just are. Just any a words I say. So, like, yeah, I believe that's how it works. So,
3: like, if I said, get down, shorty, amen, like benediction, right?
1: Hmm. Te- I mean, th- I think technically under like
2: the. This is challenging.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think like if we go back to like the Council of Nicaea, you know, sure. like when they like just decided things, um, I, I do believe that has historical precedent.
3: Yeah, grab a m- bucket and a mop wop 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 amen no um (laughs) yes i did just quote wop. okay this is for jesus (laughs) (laughs) everyone shut up this is for jesus (laughs) um i actually wanted to uh, quote scripture so lovely so this is revelation 21 4 he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed. Get it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
2: Welcome to The Whiskey Bench, where every week we discuss our modern world over a fresh cocktail.
3: We start with three ounces of a favorite philosopher. Take your pick of Hobbes, Locke, or Rousseau.
2: Next, we pour in a shot of modern discourse like Second Amendment policy or renewable energy. Sweeten with a dash of lighthearted conversation about salsa cereal or the private space industry.
3: Shake with ice and strain with ideas about modern art or raw milk regulation.
2: Garnish with intellectual humility and moderate optimism. Cheers.
3: Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.